is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, March 27th. I'm Kate Trinko. And I'm Daniel Davis. Well, millennials get a lot of attention these days, but Generation Z is actually the youngest voting demographic. Kate had the chance to sit down with two teenagers at CPAC who are of Generation Z to discuss their place in the conservative movement and what their generation is concerned about. We'll bring you that interview. By the way, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving a review or a five-star rating on iTunes, and please subscribe. Now, on to our top news. A shocking piece of news out of Chicago. Prosecutors have dropped all charges against Jesse Smollett, the actor who faked a hate crime and was indicted by a grand jury on 16 felony charges. Assistant State's Attorney Joe Maggots decided to drop those charges on Tuesday, after determining that Smollett is not a violent threat to the community. City leaders were enraged and held a press conference in which they tore into Smollett, calling the situation a whitewash of justice. Here's Mayor Rahm Emanuel on Tuesday. And the ethical cost is you have, as a person who was in the House of Representatives when we try to pass the Shepard legislation that dealt with hate crimes, putting them on the books, that President Obama then signed into law to then use those very laws and the principles and values behind the Matthew Shepard hate crimes legislation to self-promote your career is a, is a cost that comes to all the individuals, gay men and women, who will come forward and one day say they were a victim of a hate crime who now will be doubted. People of faith, Muslim or any other religious faith who will be a victim of hate crimes. People that of also of all walks of life and backgrounds, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation. Now this cast a shadow of whether they're telling the truth. And he did this all in the name of self-promotion. And he used the laws of the hate crime legislation that all of us collectively over years have put on the books to stand up to be the values that embody what we believe in. This is a whitewash of justice. A grand jury could not have been clearer. And here's the police superintendent, Eddie Johnson. Do I think justice will serve? No. Where do I think justice is? I think this city is still old an apology. And, and let me digress for a moment. When I came on this job, I've been a cop now for about 31 years. When I came on this job, I came on with my honor, my integrity, and my reputation. If someone accused me of doing anything that would circumvent that, then I would want my day in court, period, to clear my name. I've heard that they wanted their day in court with TV cameras so America could know the truth, but no, they chose to hide behind secrecy and broker a deal to circumvent the judicial system. Smollett maintained all along that he was innocent of all charges. Here's what he said on Tuesday. I want you to know that not for a moment was it in vain. I have been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. I would not be my mother's son if I was capable of one drop of what I have been accused of. This has been an incredibly difficult time, honestly one of the worst of my entire life. But I am a man of faith and I am a man that has knowledge of my history and I would not bring my family, our lives or the movement through a fire like this. I just wouldn't. President Trump's national emergency order, which gave him the ability to secure funding for the border wall, isn't going anywhere. An effort by the House to overrule Trump's veto failed Tuesday. 
Only 14 Republicans voted against the national emergency declaration, which meant that only 248 House members voted against it. Not enough, in other words, to hit the number required to overturn a veto. Well, President Trump is vowing the GOP will become the party of health care just a day after the Justice Department sided with a federal judge who ruled Obamacare unconstitutional. The president told reporters Tuesday, quote, let me just tell you exactly what my message is. The Republican Party will soon be known as the party of health care. You watch, end quote. Back in December, U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor in Texas ruled that the individual mandate of Obamacare is unconstitutional and that the entire law, therefore, is invalid. A group of 17 states has appealed that ruling, so in the meantime, the law remains the law of the land. The Trump administration is taking new steps to ensure there won't be tax dollars used to fund abortions internationally. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced Tuesday. Now, as a result of my decision today, we're also making clear we will refuse to provide assistance to foreign NGOs that give financial support to other foreign groups in the global abortion industry. We will enforce a strict prohibition on backdoor funding schemes and add runs around our policy. American taxpayer dollars will not be used to underwrite abortions. This brings me to my second announcement. We are also fully enforcing federal law prohibiting the, ca- the use of U.S. funds, including foreign assistance, to lobby for or against abortion, otherwise known as the Siljander Amendment. In light of recent evidence of abortion-related advocacy by an organ of the, or- an organ of the Organization of American States, I directed my team to include a provision in foreign assistance agreements with the OAS that explicitly prohibits the use of funds to lobby for or against abortion. Well, just as President Trump is being vindicated of collusion by the Mueller report, one freshman congresswoman is still trying to get the president impeached. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib of Michigan is circulating a letter to Democratic colleagues in the House asking them to join a resolution to investigate Trump for, quote, impeachable offenses. In particular, she wants the Judiciary Committee to investigate whether Trump's business interests constitute a violation of the Constitution's emoluments clause, which prohibits him from taking payments from foreign entities. She also wants to look into alleged payments to porn star Stormy Daniels and whether Trump may have obstructed justice during the Russia investigation. But she's likely to hit a brick wall. Speaker Nancy Pelosi has already written off impeachment of Trump, saying it's just not worth it. The Ninth Circuit has upheld a lower court's ruling stating that the parents of Kate Steinle, who was allegedly killed by an illegal immigrant who had a history of felonies, the parents cannot sue San Francisco over its sanctuary city policies. In a 3-0 vote, the judges said California law didn't require San Francisco to tell Immigrations and Custom Enforcement the date of release of alleged shooter Jose Inez Garcia Zarate. Well, a new study out of Colorado shows a dramatic rise in ER visits linked to marijuana use. Researchers at the University of Colorado School of Medicine found a threefold increase in marijuana-related ER visits between 2012 and 2016. Colorado legalized recreational marijuana in 2014. The study recorded nearly 10,000 marijuana-linked ER visits during the study period, and 25% of those patients were dealing with symptoms related to marijuana use. And of particular concern was marijuana edibles. The number of ER visits tied to edibles was 33 times higher, 
than what researchers expected. Rudy Giuliani thinks it's time for the media to apologize over the Russia collusion narrative, but CNN's Chris Cuomo isn't interested. You had a panel. You guys, you guys yes. on this network. What have I done? Have tortured this man for two years with collusion, and nobody's apologized. First of all, there, so before we talk about obstruction, there was apologize for the overreaction of collusion. Not a chance. Well, of course you're not. Not a chance. Of and course I'll, you're not I'll because you you're why. not being fair. No, please. You know better than that, or you wouldn't. No, be I here. don't know better. You're, I am outraged by the behavior of these networks. Okay. Collusion, 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 First collusion. All, let, no collusion. Okay. Here's Chris. my here's my no case. Collusion. Here's my case. Apologize. Meanwhile, CNN President Jeff Zucker told The New York Times, quote, We are not investigators. We are journalists. And our role is to report the facts as we know them, which is exactly what we did. A sitting president's own Justice Department investigated his campaign for collusion with a hostile nation. That's not enormous because the media says so. That's enormous because it's unprecedented, end quote. MSNBC's Joe Scarborough, a former GOP congressman, railed against media critics in light of the Mueller report. They lied about the Russians nonstop for two years. Oh, let's see. Maybe the press, maybe the New York Times, maybe the Washington Post, maybe the Wall Street Journal. Maybe they should have just ignored the fact that Don Jr. met with a bunch of Russians who said they were going to give him info, dirt on Hillary, and he said, I love it. Now I go, wait a second, I better contact the FBI because that's what everybody else would have done. He said, I love it. Maybe they should have just ignored the fact that the president called everybody around on Air Force One and concocted a lie. said, let's say it's about adoptions. Now, I just ask, what was the media supposed to do at that point? Shrug it off? No, you know the answer. And just because you're sucking up to Donald Trump and just because power is all that matters to you and just because you will justify everything that man does and just because you are corrupt, just because you're not a journalist, just because you have sold your soul to personality cult, don't knock reporters at the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal or the broadcast networks for doing their job right. So in a nutshell, the media has learned nothing. Up next, Kate's interview with two teenage conservatives at CPAC. Are you looking for quick conservative policy solutions to current issues? Sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. In The Agenda, you will learn what issues Heritage scholars on Capitol Hill are working on, what position conservatives are taking, and links to our in-depth research. The Agenda also provides information on important events happening here at Heritage that you can watch online, as well as media interviews from our experts. Sign up for The Agenda on heritage.org today. Joining us from CPAC is Victoria Dadassi and Braden Sorbo. They are Gen Z. Gen Z is finally here at CPAC. The millennials like me are being aged out. <laughs> and they co-host together a podcast called Mindset. So, Victoria, can you tell me a little bit about this podcast and why you do it? Yeah, so um, this is the first podcast that I know of that is run by two Gen Z, members of the Gen Z. And uh, it's only 5 to 15 minutes long. We air it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And we just cover one current event. Um, in each episode, we just do a quick analysis. 
and just give basic information about what's going on in our country. And uh, I think it's really important for Gen Z to be aware of what's going on in the country right now because a lot of people my age don't really know or they don't really care. And I think the five to 15 minute um, amount of time is just perfect for our generation. Okay. Braden, why did you get into podcasting? So I got into podcasting because I love public speaking and I love the whole outreach of it all. And I thought podcasting would be the best way to get started because with that, you could put it up on Apple Podcasts, you could put it up on YouTube if you film yourself, even if you don't. So I found it just to be the best base outreach and it's really kind of taking off. I'm noticing a lot of podcasts coming up, a lot of new podcasts. So I thought this would be the best time to jump on the train, get ahead of everyone just a little bit. So, you know, we typically hear from the media, Gen Z is super liberal, every new generation is more liberal than the last, but I'm assuming you guys are at CPAC, you're conservative, so tell me, why are you Gen Z and conservative? Okay, so I'm going to take this one because I play a lot of video games and I play with a lot of Gen Z, and what I've noticed is that playing with my friends and stuff, we make fun of everyone and everything. If you're a liberal, you don't do that. Because when we make fun of everyone and everything, we make jokes, and jokes are funny. Socialism can't survive under funny. They don't like jokes. And my generation, the Gen Z uh, generation, realizes that. And we don't like it. So we make memes, we make jokes about everyone and everything. So we're not exclusive. We include everyone. And socialism doesn't like it. I mean, the other thing that I have to add is, you know, I go to public school, Braden's homeschooled, but in my school, there's actually a lot more conservative students than you would realize because I call them closet conservatives. They don't like to speak out. They're afraid to speak out because they don't want to be ridiculed. They've seen people, students in the news, they get ridiculed for their conservative beliefs. And honestly, the students who are liberal at my school, um, they've been relatively accepting. They haven't been, you know, those crazy, you know, you see UC Berkeley, all the students are, you know, crazy liberals that attack everybody. And of course there is a little bit of that, but it hasn't been bad. There's actually a lot more conservative viewpoints in my generation than you would believe. Yeah. So they're closeted conservatives. They think that they're the only one and they're afraid to come out. So I wanted to touch back um, to this. So you go to public school. What state do you go to school in? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, so that's a swing state. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are people, you said there's a lot that are afraid to speak out. Have you been able to encourage anyone to be brave and say something? Yeah, so during the 2016 election, leading up to the 2016 election, my sisters and I, we wore our Trump shirts to school. We posted pictures and videos of us doing um, campaigning for President Trump. And while, yeah, there were a lot of people that were, you know, Um, bullying us at school there were also a lot of people that would say to me you know just really quick in the hallway hey I really like what you're doing thanks for standing up for you know President Trump like I wish I could do that too and I would say to them you can you can do it you can't be afraid of what the liberals are going to do to you you can't because if everybody were afraid then the liberals would just take over and we can't let that happen you have to stand up and I, there have been a lot of people that have come out as conservatives at my school that have started posting pictures uh, showing their support for the conservative movement. And that makes me feel really good because I want everyone to feel comfortable in their beliefs, just like I do, uh, especially people my age. So, Brayden, you mentioned uh, dialoguing with people on video games. Now, I have never played a video game, so <laughs> total nerd here. But how do politics come up, or is it just more cultural things? Or how do these conversations start? You know, it's a little bit of everything. I usually play with uh, mainly friends because I don't like playing with a bunch of random people who could be good or bad at the game. I stick to my friend group because they're usually good. But if they bring in friends that they have or something, we just, we talk. And I'll mention, hey, did you hear what Ocasio-Cortez said? Just because we're playing a game, we're chilling, we're having fun, we're talking about anything that comes up. So we talk about that. And 
we're talking about the Green New Deal and how insane that is. And my buddy makes a joke, oh yeah, uh, I heard the cows aren't allowed to fart anymore and we can only eat one burger a month. We're not allowed to have any more than that. We just, we make fun of it. It's just jokes. That's what it is. Okay, and you mentioned you were homeschooled, which I was as well. Mm -hmm. How has that experience been for you? You know, I haven't had any problems with it. I can wake up at 8 and get my homework done at 6 p.m. if I really want to. And as you can tell, I'm homeschooled, so I'm very unsocial. <laughs> I get out. We go to youth groups. We go. I go out to malls, parties, whatever. I go and hang out with people. I just That's where you meet people. I've worn my uh, Trump hat to youth group before, and I was surprised. This was in California. I was surprised by the amount of people that I would have thought would give me bad looks didn't. So at least as far as I can tell, there are more and more conservatives that are kind of in the closet. They're kind of hidden. Yeah, tell me about, um, I also grew up in California, but a little bit ahead of you, and I think it's gotten a lot more hostile since. What is it like being open about being conservative in California? So I really only started being openly conservative this uh, past year, in 2018, because I really wanted to be an actor. And I knew if you want to be an actor in Hollywood, you got to be liberal. That's their agenda, because they're so accepting, it's tolerance as long as you agree with what they say. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to be an actor, and I wouldn't really be that conservative. And then this year, and I thought... I like what Trump's doing. I do speech and debate competitively. I have been for four years, and I've done speeches on Trump. Everyone pretty much knows it by now, so why not? You know. And then at the beginning of 2018, I just started becoming more and more openly conservative and showing it. I haven't had any problems. Maybe it's because I'm 6'4", so people don't want to come punch me in the face, but that's just my experience so far and in do California. You think, do you think you're still going to be able to have an acting career? Or? You know, I do. I do. Maybe not the big budget Tom Cruise or Pirates of the Caribbean type movies. I mean, but... I did not like Pirates of the Caribbean, so <laughs> if you could stay away from that, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the movie Unplanned is a good movie. It talks about abortion. It's pro-life. We're seeing more and more movies like this. One Nation Under God talks about the removing of the Pledge of Allegiance from schools. We have Bleeding Blue, which is a documentary on how cops are treated. And we're seeing more and more of this in the independent film world. And companies like Netflix and Hulu and even the big Hollywood producers, they know that there's a market for it. They just don't know why. And that's what we're showing them now. With our generation becoming more and more openly conservative, they're realizing by making stupid liberal agenda movies, they won't see, uh, succeed anymore. Yeah. So you mentioned um, that people in the video games that you're talking to often realize they're more conservative because they just want to speak freely. And I cannot believe you know, how politically correct everything has become. There are so many things you cannot say these days. Mm -hmm. Do you guys, I mean, is it kind of overwhelming just the amount of stuff you have to think about before saying, or how do you tackle oh, this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in public school, there's you, you literally can't even make a joke sometimes because, because teachers will be like, you can't say that, or you'll get sent to the principal's office, you'll be, you'll get reprimanded for things that even just a few years ago people would have thought of as just a joke mm -hmm. and I mean some of things are obviously like you shouldn't be racist you shouldn't make racist jokes but there's other things just like jokes about like my culture I'm Italian and I make I make jokes about the Italian culture all the time my grandparents are Italian immigrants and sometimes I'll make fun of the things they say just because it's funny and people will come up to me and say you can't be saying that that's disrespectful like how dare you and I'm like this is my culture. This is this is who I am. This is who my family is. And I'm not being disrespectful. It's just a joke. So I do have to watch what comes out of my mouth. I've had teachers, you know, address us as a group and say, you really need to think about it because these things really do have serious repercussions. So. Yeah. Victoria is short, and I make fun of her because she's less than a foot shorter than me. That's not... <laughs> 
being mean. It's being it's making a joke. It's Sounds not like intended tall to, privilege. To it me. is tall privilege. It's very tall privilege. But you know they make jokes at tall people. How's the weather up there? Or do you play basketball? Those are assumptions, and I could be offended by those, but I'm not because they're not intended to hurt my feelings. They're intended to just be a joke. Okay, so I wanted to ask about a couple of the social issues. Um, abortion. How do you think your generation views that? Um, well, I think that the news and everybody portrays it that our generation is very pro-choice. But I have to be really honest, I, I disagree. I strongly disagree with that. I think we are becoming more and more pro-life as, as, as the years go on. And I think we are on track to be the most pro-life generation. I mean, we have facts out there that you cannot dispute. Facts that there is a heartbeat, that the baby has its own DNA from the mother. And the other thing that I have to say is, again, closet pro-lifers. So many students are pro-life, but they're afraid to say it. I mean, I was bullied over my pro-life beliefs. I was in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, and my people that I even thought were my friends, you, you know, were making fun of me for being pro-life. And uh, one of the things that my family has done personally to combat that is we have launched the first and only pro-life fashion company, Culture of Life 1972. Um, 1972 is a reference to the year 1972. It was the last year that the United States as a whole um, valued every single life because the very next year, the Supreme Court ruled that the tiniest people do not have the right to life. And since then, 60 million people have been denied that right. And so our clothing has just very subtle um, pro-life messages. We just want to encourage um, our country and my generation to value life because you only get one life. You only have one, you need to make the most of it, you need to celebrate it. Um, so that is just something that I think everyone can be a part of. Celebrating life is something that is common to every human being, regardless of your race, regardless of your political ideology. Um, so yeah, and it's all very subtle messaging too, so it's not, it doesn't say like, I'm pro-life, or it's just culture of life. So you, it's for everyone. We want yep. everyone to feel comfortable being pro-life. 10% of proceeds go to uh, pro-life groups, mm -hmm. and it's very comfortable clothing, I have to admit. Yes. I enjoy the hoodies a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what more can you ask for? Exactly. What a beautiful message. Um, we've, of course, heard a lot about gender identity mm -hmm. and transgenderism in oh, recent God. years. And there's a discussion that, you know, in some high schools, um, you know, we don't have hard data, but... It's almost a growing number of people who struggle with the gender that they were born so, with. So, I have never felt pressured to identify as any other gender than a guy, which is what I am, than male. I'm sure Victoria hasn't felt pressure to identify as a guy because she's female. I find that there's a lot of teens that are struggling with it simply because of what's in the media. Mm -hmm. Simply because of what is being shoved down our throats. You have Hollywood elites and all these people embracing people like Caitlyn Jenner. And it's weird for me to call her that because it's Bruce. I know it's Bruce. But you can't be forced into it. This is, the CDC defines it as a mental disorder, gender hysteria, gender confusion. So it's not like it's a normal thing. The media is trying to make it normal so kids, to fit in, are saying, oh, well, then I am this gender, one of the 10,000 million whatever, however many genders there are now. There are only two. And the fact that people can think that they can change their genders, it's biologically impossible. Mm -hmm. You have the XY chromosomes and then the XX chromosomes. There's yeah. nothing, there's no disputing that. That is a biological fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, in public school, I do see it a lot more than I do anywhere else. I mean, there's a lot, There's I wouldn't say a lot, but it's a growing number since I've been in public school of students who 
struggle with this. And I honestly believe it's from the peer pressure in the media. Just like Brayden said, it's something that until your attention is drawn to it, I don't think anybody would have thought about, you know, oh, I was born a woman, but now maybe I think I'm a man. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, I think that there are women who have more testosterone than others, but that does not make you a man. There are men who have more estrogen than others, but that does not make you a woman. It makes you a beta male. <laughs> but um, another thing it, that I've been seeing is that the LGBTQ, RXYZ, whatever they are, is targeting children younger and younger. In my area, there is a drag queen who goes around and does drag queen story hour, and they read books. They read My Two Mommies, My Two Daddies, to the five, six, and seven-year-olds. When I was that age, I went to the library and they read me like Peter Rabbit, not my two mommies, my two daddies. And so they are, the LGBTQ and the liberals are just targeting these students because in an, in an effort to uh, change facts and change the way these children think from the time they're young. And then we see the LGBTQ organizations saying, stop making fun of us, stop saying that we're not normal, stuff like that. And then they inject a nine-year-old boy with hormones so that he's filled with estrogen and starts developing human body parts, which or female body parts, which is completely hypocritical to force your beliefs on someone else. Yeah, it's really sad. Okay, so last question. What do you guys think older generations should do differently or should know? So what the older generations can do differently? You know, it's all, it's all bias in the media. So trying to influence kids with bias, you can't you can't not have bias. Everyone is in naturally inclined to one thing or another. But to try to force your bias on someone else instead of showing everyone everything and letting them decide for themselves is a big problem I see in, the, uh, in our culture today. Mm -hmm. We see the news in the media saying that this person is bad, this person is good, whatever that. And they don't give the other side of the story. And that is detrimental because we're not learning everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I think that a lot of parents nowadays, not that I would know because I'm 18 years old, thankfully I'm not a parent yet, but a lot of parents these days, I think, just let their kids do whatever they want. They, 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 are not, they don't have their finger on the pulse as much as in past generations. And I see it in school. I see these kids who have no guidance. They have no one, you know, helping them to and teaching them how to think. They are simply believing what they believe because what they see in the media, what they see on social media, and what their friends tell them. And I think that parents need to be more involved in the lives of their children. Thankfully, my parents have been incredibly involved in my life and my sister's lives, and I know Braden's family is the same way. And um, I think that if you know parents guide their children the way that they are supposed to and the way that it has been done in the past, I think that our generation and future generations will be able to think for themselves and be more successful in life in general. Okay, and actually your answer got me thinking and I realized I wanted to ask you guys, recently Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez mm -hmm. suggested that you know perhaps people shouldn't have kids because climate change, all that, etc. And one thing that I've sort of noticed is the younger People seem to be afraid of having children. Now, I know you guys are a few years off from that period in your lives, mm -hmm. probably, but do you think your generation is not interested in having kids? No, you know what? I don't think it's, I don't think it's the time yet. I think that a lot of kids are afraid to have kids because we have the whole society pressure to get an abortion if you have a kid and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So 
I find it very smart that we're not having kids at 18, 19, 20 on average. You know, wait a couple years, develop more as a human, grow more into your uh, adulthood, and you will then be ready. So I think we're waiting for the right time. And I think that's really smart because we have people like Cortez telling people not to have kids. And that's creepy, you know, the, because yeah. climate change, that doesn't make any sense. So we're waiting. We're going to see how everything happens, and then we're going to have kids. I think that is the natural inclination of being a human. Well, uh, if the liberals would take Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's advice, I would not complain. If liberals <laughs> stopped having children, honestly, I wouldn't be upset. But um, I just have to say that as a woman, I think there is a lot of pressure to from the feminist movement and from, you know, female, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi, like government officials, that we need to put our career ahead of our families. We need to become uh, the breadwinner in our families. We need to sort of take over that that role that the, our, the men have had in years past. And I think that's been something that they've, an agenda they've been pushing for the last 50 years. And I have to say that a lot of my friends, um, they definitely don't want to have as many kids. They want to be able to ha do whatever they want. They don't want to, you know, be that homemaker that women that, that which is the role that women have had in the past. Um, but I think that conservative women, conservative people my age, I know that they want to maintain the role, the traditional role of a woman, be a mom, be a homemaker. And if that comes for you later in life, then that, I don't think that's a problem. But I do think that there is a lot of pressure against having families, or at least big families. Yeah. Okay, well, Brayden, Victoria, thanks so much for joining us. Their podcast is Mindset. Check it out. And Victoria's clothing line is uh, is a culture of life, 1972. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. and we have Brayden's uh, endorsement that the hoodies are comfortable. So yes. <laughs> thanks so much for being on and sharing your perspective. Thank you, well, thank for, having you for having us. Having us. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast brought to you from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And please leave us a review or a rating on iTunes to give us feedback. Thanks to listener Renee B60, who wrote on iTunes, Listen every morning for just a quick update of what the top stories are going to be and also enjoy the more in-depth interviews. I have found the interviews have introduced me to people and events that I don't know about. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to the Daily Signal podcast, executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.